Hello, this is Melissa Hale Spencer, the editor of the Altamont Enterprise, and I'm here this morning with an Altamont icon, George Pratt. Many of you may have noticed a man who wears a Stetson hat, cowboy boots, and can sometimes be seen riding a horse down a street in Altamont. He was a longtime Altamont police chief. He spends a large part of the year in Florida where he is a literal cowboy. And he came into the office this morning, as he often does, to discuss politics. Those who read our letters to the editor are aware of his views, which are diametrically opposed to my own. But I said, we don't want to talk about politics. We want to sit down across the table and talk about who is George Pratt. So welcome, welcome. Let's start with the beginning of your life. Where where did you grow up? I don't even know your early history, your childhood. I'll give it to you quickly and then document a little go with that. Okay. I was born in the Cambridge Hospital in Cambridge, New York. I lived until I went into service in Schuylerville, New York. And from then on in, I stayed. I was in service from 1943 or 44 to 1953. So how, wait, how old were you when you went into service? I went into the State Guard at the age of 15 and a half. And what did you do at 15 and a half? Joined the New York State Guard. Oh, the New York State National Guard. Yeah, not it wasn't National Guard then. The oh, Nationalizer, just, which I permitted see. me to slide over into the Navy at a relatively young age. Fifteen. Why were you motivated when you were just fifteen to do that? Well, back then, and I'm what I'm not alone. I don't want to start bragging, but I was an adult when I was seven. How so? I was milking cows, driving a team of horses and farming it. I went to work on a wallpaper mill when I was 14. I think you have my history. I know, but I want to hear it from your own mouth. Well, <laughs> so that's you grew up on a farm where you were doing... I didn't grow up on the farm. I worked on the farm. You worked there, okay. And then you went to work at a factory when you were just 14. 14. And what did that consist of doing? I was uh, bundling what they call bundling rolls of wallpaper. And you decided to join the guard because myself and other schoolmates. Yeah, we tried it and it worked. <laughs> I, my my mother was in the hospital at the time, and she didn't realize that the paper she was signing was certifying that I was old enough. And that's too long ago. Well, it's an important part of your history. So tell us about your years in the guard. What kinds of things did you do? We went to shooting ranges. Uh, it was a military thing. Right. And nothing other than that. Did, you, did the military life agree with you? Is that something? Yeah. yeah. What, what about it did you like? I can't. The honest answer is I don't recall in particular. I, I just mean, liked it. Okay. But I wasn't the only one. I had three or four friends with me. And you all got to stay together? Yeah. Enlisted well, together during the time to... in the Guard, yeah. We yeah. all went separate ways after. Yeah. And so this was during World War II, was it? or World War II, not the Civil War. Right. <laughs> so um, were you part of that? Or? The World War II or the Civil War? World War II. Of course. Ten year, well, 10 years. It didn't last that long. I, 43 to 53. And so... Can you tell us a little about where you were stationed or what you did? Or it's it's easy to. I was on five different ships. Mm-hmm. 
I started on an aircraft carrier known as the Saipan. Okay. Then I went to a cruiser at Little Rock, went to a cruiser at Portsmouth, went to a destroyer Perry, and wound up on a troop transport known as the Duel, which landed the um, first Marines in North Korea. That was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. So talk about living history. Are there any things that stand out in your mind from all those years as particularly important or moments where you tested yourself? Or No. no? See, we didn't think that it, 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 everything was the way it was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. It was natural. Hmm. I liked what I was doing. The only biggest mistake I made is I didn't stay 10 years longer and retire at the ripe old age of, uh, I don't know, 30 or whatever. Yeah, it would have been nice. So when you got out of the service, what, what did you pursue then? I was uh, private investigations. Tell and us about that. How did you become a private eye? As, as I they... applied with a company. I'm not going to use their name now. Because That's okay. It be, but I applied with... A company that did insurance investigations, and I stayed with them until I became police chief in Altamont. So, tell us a little about what it's like to be a PI. I mean, <laughs> do you have? I'll gladly tell you because you're doing now or what you just did. Do not pay a lot of attention if you're asking questions. Yeah. If you're an interrogator, right. you're going to listen, obviously. But do you know where the real answer is? No. Not verbally, physically. The eyes, the expression, the hand movement, the body movement, the physical, emotional reaction to a question is more of a truthful answer than the verbal So Does you be- that make sense? Yeah, so you became an interpreter of body language. Not intentionally, but yes. Yeah. So... I'm now looking at you trying to see what your body language is. Your hands are at your side. Does my that mean, hands are just that means laying you're open. No, that means you're. I'm not, that doesn't mean I'm. That means I'm not. I don't have to uh, physically convince you that I'm doing anything. Yeah, I'm somebody that talks with my hands. I don't know what that means. Well, take a look at television now, which yeah. is not as nice invention, but it's destroying this country. Uh, take a look at some of the. What do they call them? Hosts or whatever. They mm-hmm. host a program. Mm-hmm. Especially MSNBC, all right? See if you can recall this. So he's gesturing. For those of you who are listening and heard some pounding, <laughs> he, um, George was had his fingers on the table as if they were footsteps. And I'm not sure what I'm supposed to recall. You're emphasizing. That. I would... Emphasizing, trying to emphasize a point, not just verbally but physically. I see. I see. (laughs) I'm I'm doing this intentionally. I see. Gesturing in order to to draw attention to a certain particular. Yeah. Look at at, you can take many uh, television programs, especially news programs, and see it. Look at MSNBC. Look at CNN. Look at any of them. Physically, they're lying. So when you were doing this investigation work, was it a lot of it, and I have, I guess, a very um, sort of dramatic view of a private investigator, probably too many novels. Uh, Were you like 
sneaking around to watch people? Or you no, no. Okay. We, we deliberately question individuals involved. I see. As to the facts and how they react to them. So, they, it's how they react to the question. Most of the time, it was just 100% correct. Yes, it was, and no, it wasn't, or no, I don't remember, or whatever. So with insurance cases, you were trying to make sure that if, the, say, there was a fire, was that it was a really... Legitimate, a legitimate claim. Right, as opposed to someone trying to scam the system. Right. So what led you from that to becoming the Altamont chief of police? I guess it was, quite frankly, I really don't know. I guess it was an accident. Jim Romer was the lawyer at the time. Mm-hmm. And Bill Elbert was my first mayor. Mm-hmm. And Howard Deal was getting ready to retire. And they didn't have anybody in mind. They wanted, they were looking for a new police chief. And I volunteered to uh, go to police school. And I guess Jim and Romer and Elbert thought I'd be a good police chief. Because <laughs> I had the background as far as uh, the ability. And so you got the credentials. You went to the I went to school training. and got the credentials. And tell us about the department then, because people often hearken back to that. Now there's so many different officers in Altamont. It was just you? Please, Are you an assistant? Please don't. The men involved are fine individuals. And the women, too. And the women, too. This has nothing to do with sex. Right. Uh, yeah, the men and women are, are fine individuals. But I think, again, you don't want to talk about politics, but politics got involved. And now you have a department of uh, God knows how many men and women. <laughs> See, I, <laughs> but can we just talk about what it was like in your day? Were in you my the, day... Were you the only one, or did you have an... Op- no, I had... Let's see, I'm trying to remember now. Yeah. I had two part-timers, full-time. Mm-hmm. But I had access to other law enforcement age. In fact, the police, the former police chief in uh, Skahari, uh worked for me part-time when I needed them, such as for the Scottish Games. In other words, if we had a special event. Like the Altamont Fair. Uh, Altamont Fair or the... Again, the Scottish Games. Because right, like the fairgrounds attracts a lot of crowds for Anything various attracts functions. A lot of crowds. Yeah. And it was rather simple and rather inexpensive. And then, of course... There was a, oh, there were, how do you explain something that doesn't exist? Uh, it wasn't necessary to have a lot of people. I'm, I'm going to have to, it puts me in a position of, it sounds as if I'm bragging. There are, I won't use their names, but there are there's two or three businessmen in the community that are highly successful. And they have told my wife, because they were hell on wheels when they were kids, they told my wife, and she'll confirm this if you want it. That if it weren't for me, they'd be convicted felons. <laughs> <laughs> so you kept... I, I don't want to use it. I could use their names because they deserve the they deserve the success that they've got. So your point is, it's when they were youth, you kind of kept tabs on them and ask ask many yeah. forty fifty year olds in your circle of friends that may or may not have been good or bad or whatever, and ask them how they responded to me. I got along. So what era was this? I'll give you an example. Okay. On Halloween, 
all kids couldn't afford candies and marking things and stuff like that. And I'd take it away from the kids that had a lot of it and give it to the ones that couldn't. Oh, so you were like a Robin Hood of Halloween. <laughs> Steal from the rich, give to the poor. Kind of, I yeah. guess. I don't know. So what era was this that you were the police chief? What- 72 to 92. Okay, so 20 years. And did you see things change during that time? Um, what was the... During that period, things mm-hmm. were, remained relatively the same. I see. There was... Well, you were... I think you... Were you... I grew up around we Altamont in, in that the era. Murder took place down on I'm Altamont sorry. Boulevard. What? Do you remember when that murder took place down on Altamont Boulevard? I do. Okay. The young woman. Yeah, and they, 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 we weren't completely innocent as far as the area is concerned, but we we had our problems. But they didn't. Rec- well, the murder was unusual. Well, that situation was unusual, but a lot of things were, would be considered unusual today. And uh, we just got along. You know. So what were the major crimes in that era? Oh, boy. It, uh, you, you got me over a barrel now because my memory's <laughs> shot to hell. Uh, we, there was very little crime. crime. Mm-hmm. Period, because we couldn't, we didn't permit it. I do remember a quote you once said: "There wasn't a crime in Altamont because I wouldn't allow it." That's <laughs> but, yeah. So it was more community Relation. policing and kind of preventative yeah. um, interventions. And I was a cop twenty-four hours a day. They would call me at home at night if they needed me, and it was accepted. It was just part of the thing. But now I don't know. Things have just gone. I don't know. They don't. So, what made you decide to retire? You're in your ninety-first year now. So, I, it was nineteen ninety-two. I decided to retire mm-hmm. because I had an opportunity to go to Florida, and I knew what I was going to do. I was going to get involved with the cattle ranches. Well, that's what we want to hear about too. Your other life. Tell us how you got involved in the cattle ranches and what you do oh, down there. That was there. easy. Uh, you know, I, looking back, it was easy. I met a man. He is now deceased, got killed, getting thrown off a horse. His name was Matt Kondo. He was a nationally recognized rodeo rider, but he was also a rancher. And we met in a bar. And he says, how would you like to put your riding experience at night? Because he was familiar with what I did up here. I trained Albany City's mounted unit and all that junk. Well, no, that's not junk. I want to take a little side trip. We'll go back to Florida. Anyway. Tell, no, I'm taking a side trip. <laughs> How how did you get to be a horseman? How how did that happen? I was raised on a farm. I liked horses. Okay. I had I, I just liked horses. Yeah, and, and so I'd, you've ridden ever since. I had since... one of my own, and uh, and how did you come to train the mounted police in Albany? How did it that, fit in? that goes way back? They were getting ready. They sent a couple of people out, and myself. And I think his first name. I can't think of his first name. His last name was Purcell. He was with the. Um, Park police. But anyhow, we took a couple of Albany City's officers mm-hmm. and proceeded to train them in how to handle a horse and traffic and all that nonsense. Well, I've seen them doing crowd control when there have been like protests that I've covered downtown, and it seems like a very effective way to manage well, a crowd. I've been because quoted, and I admit it, and just apply it to anything. A man on a horse, let's use the fairgrounds, 
because that's where I use the horses here. Mm-hmm. A man on a horse in a multi-occupied parking lot, mm-hmm. hundreds of cars, can see more, do more, and do it more rapidly than a man on foot. Yeah, yourself. and you're very visible. Yeah, you're right. really kind of a powerful you can figure see, on a horse. You can see, too. And I think you can maneuver better. The crowds where I've been with the police on horses, they you know, they can go places cars couldn't. See, in a large parking lot, you, you there was a lot of theft from automobiles. Mm-hmm. And on the back of a horse, as you just mentioned, sitting high enough, you can see you can see it happening, and you can get there immediately. It's, it's, it's too simple. So you were at the ground level of helping the Albany police force start with their yeah the their ground ridings. level yeah they went on to much they've they've gone well beyond that yeah. Now. I, I, they use them quite a bit. So now we're going to go back to Florida. I'm sorry. I just wanted to take that detour. So this man, I forget his name, that you met in the bar. Matt Condo. Yeah. Um, he said, why don't you come down to Florida? That's kind of a big leap, just someone no, you met in the bar. No, he didn't ask me to come to Florida. I just knew that I went to that particular area of Florida. And this is central. Tell us where in Florida Southwest this is. Southwest Florida, down there, Fort Myers. Okay. Because and I knew I knew what was going on down there. You know, I knew it was cattle country, and I. But I accidentally got started on a ranch. It was an accident. Well, tell us about that. Well, that's all I wanted. He took me to uh, Bluehead Ranch, and I can I'll never forget the guy down there, David Ford. And Matt said to him, I got a writer here from New York State that would like to go to work, or could go to work. And Dave Ford said, I'm not hiring a damn Yankee. But obviously he did. And then Dave retired, and I still worked there, and I went through many foremen. And it's just, it's simple. Well, it's not simple to somebody who's not part of that culture. I, I didn't even realize, I think a lot of Easterners, Yankees, as you call them, um, you know, think of Florida, probably the coastal areas. And I was really amazed when I saw one of the movies you produced, just that there's this whole ranching culture there. It so is. just tell us about life on a ranch. What kind of stuff do you do? You chase cows, or cow, not cows, or cattle, because cows are female. Yeah. Uh, you, you work in the pens and spraying them for. Mosquitoes, yeah. <laughs> disease, and you round up four or five hundred and move them from the ryegrass to the pasture land. So to fat, or from the pasture land to the ryegrass to fatten them up to get them ready for sale. It's just you're continually moving. You're in the saddle from dawn till dusk. And you're still doing this in your ninety-first well, year. It wasn't until this year that my wife's uh, physical problem was part of the reason we didn't get back down there. But you did it up through age uh, up 90. To, uh, yeah, I was into my 90th year. Yeah. yeah, so how how do you... I'm still doing it. I'm working uh, horses over at my own place. Well, tell tell us the secret <laughs> to your youth. Like, what, what, how how are you managing this when a lot of people your age are wheelchair-bound? You know, it, wheelchair it, it, bound. it's simple. Okay. I apply what has been yacked at and over television for the last several years. A body in motion, what happens to it? Stays in motion. You just answered my Physics question. Physics principle. 
Well, but most of us, our bodies as they get older seem to be doing less. And Only you're because still, you let it. You're do pushing less. your body to do more. Well, I don't have to push because I want to, but yeah. if anyone does less, it's because I choose to. But what keeps you at it? Why are you motivated to do this? I, I don't know. I, I like it. Bore, I, I get bored easy, too. Yeah. Well, tell us a little about producing the movies. What led you to do that? <clears throat> I'll tell you exactly. That's easy. Victor Milt is the director. Mm-hmm. He was one of John Wayne's directors. He came to Florida for the purpose of making a documentary. So he contacted the historian in Florida. And the historian knew me and introduced me to Mill. And, of course, I was working for Bluehead Ranch. So what he did, he came out to the ranch and did all his filming. It was a stunning You didn't have to create because it was something that was being done day in and day out. And if you saw them, if you, yeah, you said you saw them. I did, yes. You screened it here in the village hall. What you saw is just a day-to-day routine. There was nothing, you know, you didn't create anything. It it almost seemed like a bygone culture that he captured, you know? Well, it was, it it was becoming a bygone culture. That is why I think, and I can't be sure of this, but I think he was asked to do it by a high level of government in Florida. I don't know that. But in any case, he did it. And it was very successful. He had a lot of scenes on the ranch, but he also had scenes interviewing the very wealthy landowners. Well, see, that was the other movie, Cracker. He he, he interviewed a lot of landowners and all that sort Mm -hmm. of stuff. He did a few with... uh, the documentary. See, the documentary is only 35 minutes long. Mm-hmm. The movie, I forget, but I think it was two and a half hours. Cracker was... You saw that too, didn't you? Yeah. All right. Now, tell us, Cracker's a, like a collo- colloquial term for... What does Cracker that was mean? The, he used the term Cracker because that's what residents of that area were considered Florida Crackers. <laughs> And it was like a put-down term. Yeah. But he used it in a way that kind of elevated it. Yeah. And, and made you and understand that... He took the word, these are crackers. Mm-hmm. But you saw from the picture, they some of them are well-to-do, intelligent. Yeah. He, and, he, and I remember a scene with a little kid, even, that was in a cowboy hat and involved in the culture. And it gave you a whole sense of... A, a different a way people of, with pride and passing on traditions through generations. It's a different way of life. Yeah. Because I know you frequently talk about and have written letters about how you feel the younger generation is too involved in screens, you know, in like handheld phones. Way. I'll ask you a question. Do you know any seven-year-olds? that could drive a team of working horses or milk a cow by hand. <laughs> do you? No, I do not. Do you think you ever will? At I, the rate we're going, yeah. they're going to be lucky to be able to do it when they're 20. But tell us what you think the value is of, of those kinds of skills for a very young child, like yourself, milking a cow at that age, or some of these kids on the ranch. What, what does that give a kid that they don't get? Responsibility. A mm-hmm. sense of Responsibility. 
and a willingness to want to do something constructive other than play. So our half an hour has gone really fast. (laughs) Do you have any kind of parting thoughts for people, either just because of your age, which often gives people wisdom or insight, or because of the kind of life you've lived? Do you have any kind of parting advice or thoughts for our listeners? I don't know to tell anyone, because I'll admit I'm probably a rare example. Don't stop. That's good advice for any age, isn't it? Yes. I mean, sometimes people, we had Betty Spadaro here, who just, you know, turned 100. You know Betty, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, her thing was play bingo, which for her is the same thing. Don't stop. But I mean, in terms of your routine, what you eat, what what kind of stuff do you eat? I get uh, uh, kidded a lot because I use an expression. You know, the ground's hard when I come up in the morning. I don't know that expression. You do now. The ground's hard when I come up in the, the morning? The ground is hard when I come up in the morning. Could you explain that one to me? I can't. Okay, does that mean the ground is there's hard? Nothing, it, it, there's nothing you can't do if you put your mind to it. The ground what is hard is when, when I, I come, come up, up in the morning. morning. So that means each day when you get up, you're facing a new challenge? And if you want to put it, take it that way. Yeah. Or does it mean it you already, fall down and hit the ground? Uh, no, no. I've, already, oh, I've hit the ground many times. <laughs> I bet. I got tossed off a horse along. Have you ever been seriously hurt? It hurt, but didn't break. Nothing broke I don't ever? break easy. In fact, I just got came off a tractor yesterday. I fell off a tractor, and a damn thing ran over my leg after I hit the ground. But it didn't, it so hurt, you're but still didn't active work. on your own land with the tractor, even though oh yeah, I still got the. I don't have as many now because mm-hmm. I gave up the long hauling and I gave up the boarding. Not not entirely, but I just don't have as many horses. So how many have you got? Only two. But you do occasionally. We stop at our desks when we hear the clip clop on this street. The girls you do ride occasionally <laughs> see a horse of yours riding through the village. We raised we. Uh, the Greg Timchin, not the father, the two girls' father. Mm-hmm. Their grandfather brought them over to the farm when they were five years old, five or six, and uh, they liked horses. And I taught them how to ride. And they're still riding. You see them. Yeah. Where Where is your farm? Haven't you ever gone by the log cabin on the way to the Altamont Orchard? It's on the left-hand side. I have. I've it's gone by there. That's It's a log place. cabin. It's a real log cabin. The log on the outside is the same piece of wood that's on the inside. Yeah. Nice. Well, thank I'm real. That's the difference. What? You're real? <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for sharing your thoughts. I've really enjoyed it. I hope so.